welcome to livealittlehigher.com. This week we read Parasha Miketz and um, from the from the learning of Jonathan Sachs, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, that he teaches from the teachings of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, he brings us a very interesting perspective on the differences between the dreams that Joseph had in the past parasha. And this week's parasha, uh, we have the famous two dreams of Pharaoh. So in this, um, in this uh, study, we're going to analyze what's the difference between these two types of dreams and how, what do they mean for us. So it says here that at the beginning of our Sidra, of our parasha, there's a very long account of two dreams that Pharaoh had. Uh, we all know them, I'm not going to go into details, but basically in the first dream he dreams about seven fat cows, seven robust and healthy cows that are coming out from the Nile River. And then after them come up uh, seven um, very skinny cows that look uh, very sick and they come after them and they eat them. And then in the second dream, Pharaoh has seven uh, robust, healthy uh, stacks of, uh, of corn, ears of corn, I'm sorry. And then also right there near the Nile River, we have seven uh, very skinny, not uh, healthy looking ears of corn. And the not healthy ears of corn come and eat the seven healthy ears of corn. So uh, Pharaoh sent uh, everyone to analyze his dreams, to interpret them. All his uh, wizards of, of Egypt of that time came and they tried to interpret these dreams. They gave very weird answers and um, finally the wine bearer that was in jail two years before Joseph had it, interpreted his dream and he told him he would be freed and he would come out and he would continue serving wine to the pharaoh uh, remember joseph and after two years he, he remembered him and he went to pharaoh and he says i remember this jewish boy that was in prison with me and he interpreted these dreams and in a jiffy in a, in a split second joseph was ushered out of prison he came out they dressed him they groomed him they they cut his hair they brought him to pharaoh and he interpreted these dreams to pharaoh he not only gave him the explanation of the dreams but he gave he, he what made the difference was that he gave him the solution to these dreams and so he said that the, there would be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine and then he said to him how to start amassing the food and putting it storing it away and how to store it so it wouldn't uh, get ruined and how to charge for it and the taxes and everything and he made pharaoh very rich and he was uh, he became the viceroy of egypt so what significance uh, what difference does it make whether this came about through dreams or interpretation or by some other chains of events and so even if the Torah wishes to emphasize that it was specifically through Pharaoh's dreams that Joseph obtained this position it, it could have informed us of the fact without narrating every detail of the dreams so the answer is that Pharaoh's dreams must must be understood in the context in which they occurred and uh, Pharaoh dreamed because of Joseph. This was the whole reason why it came through a dream. It was because of Joseph. So in the, in the previous parasha, 
Parashah Vayeshev, we learned that Joseph also had dreams. He had two dreams that were what made the brothers get scared about him. They thought he was the evil brother, just like Abraham had a good son and a bad son, Ishmael and Isaac. And then Isaac had a good son and an evil son, which was Jacob and Isaac. They thought that uh, Joseph had, a, he felt like he was this big shot and they thought he was, he wanted to rule over them. And that's why they sold him to a slavery. But going back to, what uh, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs is explaining to us here is that Joseph received that divine communication through dreams. This was the way in which he communicated with Hashem. It came through dreams and Joseph was the heir to Jacob's spiritual heritage. Uh, he was the one that was gonna uh, bring to the world the spirituality of his father. And he was short, uh, he was in short a collective soul and the medium through which divine emanations to, to the world must pass. So the righteous man who is the foundation of the world. If to him the divine revelation came through the medium of dreams, then this was to be the order in the world. So that when a communication was necessary for the world and Pharaoh, its ruler, it, eventually came through a dream. So this indicates a fundamental lesson about our service to God. It teaches us something very important in the way we should serve Hashem. And it says here that when a Jew encounters severe challenges in his life, from harmful attitudes and desires, when he's tested with things that are not the right thing for a Jew, he must realize that their ultimate source really lies not in, 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 in the world, but in himself. So this is very interesting. It, what he's saying is that it, it's not true that, the, that he must follow the world. What it says is a Jew shouldn't be following the tendencies of the world. This is not the job of a Jew. The world is ever-changing, ever-evolving. What was in fashion yesterday, today is old-fashioned. I see it with my children, the way they're raising their kids, the way they put them to sleep. We used to put them with the belly down. Now it's a no-no. Uh, medical advances have decided that it's better that they sleep in their back, and we should follow these types of things. But in reality, what it's talking about is about the spiritual sense of the world. And what is right was right 3,000 years ago, and what it's and it's right right now. And what was wrong was wrong, and what it's it's still wrong. So we should not go with the tendencies of the world. The and it says here, neither it is true that in order to live a faithful Jewish existence, one must make concessions to the world. So the reverse is the case. And we know that Joseph, specifically Joseph, was a person that was taken out of his cocoon, out of his comfort zone. He was thrown into, into um, Egypt, which was like the, the worst place on earth. This is where everything went, everything was done. Uh, I'm talking about um, things that were not proper. And nevertheless, he was able to live in such an environment and maintain himself as a pure Jew, never falling into these tendencies. He was always able to maintain himself as a, as a righteous, person. And that's why he, the name Yosef Hatzadik is really given to him. We don't see that they say Jacob Hatzadik, Abraham Hatzadik. We don't see this. The only person in the whole Torah that is given the connotation of Hatzadik, Hatzadik is, um, 
is uh, it's called is Joseph Hatzalik because he was able to not fall into what was wrong, what was pervasive, what was illicit, what was not uh, uh, proper. So the Jew himself creates the state of, of the world he inhabits. And here from the teachings of the Rebbe, what it's telling us is that we create our own uh, reality. If this Judaism is tempered by an inner reluctance, this is mirrored in the world. And this is heavy stuff. It says, but it is the nature of the world to conceal its, 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 its uh, spiritual source. So what it's saying is that really, whatever we perceive from the world, whatever the world is giving us, you know, the people say what the universe gives us, whatever we perceive from the world, in reality is what we have inside of us. It's a mirror of us. And this is the only way in which Hashem can show us where we're standing in our lives. If, 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 if you're all, all day looking at things that you shouldn't be looking, it's because inside of you, you harbor this desire. And so Hashem puts it in front of you. It's a mirror of you. And it's a way in which you can see where you're standing if you're living a righteous life or you're not living a righteous life. So, so it says here that so this fact too is concealed and attitude, attitudes hostile to Judaism are sensed as coming from the outside. Like we would think that anti-Semitism is something from the outside, something that attacks the Jew that has nothing to do with us. It's the world that is against us. We haven't done anything wrong. But in reality, it's, it, we have to correct inside of ourselves. We have to really look inside as Jews where we're standing and what, what our beliefs are. Because really, if you look at anti-Semitism, it has no, it has no, it, it's visceral. It has no explanation. It's really visceral. And it's like an allergic reaction to the Jew. When the Jew is not behaving the way he should behave, the world becomes allergic to him. So, so we see here that, that pulling the Jew away from his faith uh, is, really what creates the world to go against us. So, but the truth is the Jew is himself the author of these attitudes where he, where he to change his own desires, and he's talking about desire, what do you want? What is your desire? From reluctance to affirmation, he could change the attitude of the world as well. I remember many years I went to listen to Rabbi Adin Steinsloss, and he was saying that uh, the, 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 the non-Jewish world, if they would know the power of a Jew, they would put to each Jew two policemen to make sure that he would follow the whole Torah. Because everything that happens in the world really is because the world is not balanced, it's not in tune. And when the Jew behaves like a Jew, thinks like a Jew, speaks like a Jew, it's a holy, righteous person, then the whole world, the balance of the whole world is going to be healthy. But if the Jewish people are not living in, a, in, in this type of, 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 of mentality, then the whole balance of the world it turns around. So this is not all. Even where we cannot find the origin of such conflict within the Jew because he's personally wholly free of conflict, then it is still because of the Jew that it occurs. For in him lies the purpose of creation. So as the rabbis say, the world was created in the beginning for the sake of Israel, who are called the beginning of God's products. The conflict occurs as a test of the Jewish inner strength. And if he refuses to be overwhelmed by it, it will turn out to have had no reality. 
because the state of the world is dependent on the state of the Jew in Judaism. So it is up to us. When they point fingers, they say it's the fault of the Jews, it's the fault of the Jews. There's a certain truth into it. There's a certain truth into it. We should never try to be who we're not. We should be proud Jews, stand proud, be who we are, be a light upon the nations, bring light to the world, the revelation of Hashem, behave in a, in a moral, uh, ethical way as the Torah dictates, and then the, the, everything is going to reflect back to that. So, so it says here, although Pharaoh's dreams were dependent on the fact of Joseph's dreams, they were radically different in their nature. So in their nature, although it was, you would think it's the same thing, they're prophetic, they're telling us something about the future, but Joseph's dreams came from a holy source and Pharaoh's dreams came from a non-holy place. So first, Joseph's dreams, as we can see, begin with an image of service of bread earned by labor. We see the first dream that he has in which they're binding the sheaves with the brothers and they're all standing high, high for him and, and bowing to him. We see here that the, the, there's effort in the production of this food. They're working for it. So the blessings which come from God to the Jew are good for the point of perfection because the, the Jew doesn't acquire benefit because just because we we work for what we have we don't get anything for free the reward that we get in this world and the next world really comes from our labor so it says here that does the does they must come response to effort for that which is received without having worked for bread of shame so the bread of shame is a is a, is a it's an idea given by the Kabbalah, by the by Hasidut Kabbalah, which says that a person, when he gets everything for free, he has some shame inside. He, he hasn't put the effort. He doesn't feel that he deserves it. So Hashem really doesn't give us anything for free. You know, this, this year of age, everybody's entitled, entitlement, entitlement. This is the new thing, everything for free. Uh, the, the medicine for free, education for free, everything that people want, everything for free. But in reality, this free world is not a healthy world. It doesn't bring anything good for us because people become complacent. They, 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 they don't put their effort. They don't work uh, for what they're earning. They don't feel uh, good about themselves. They start feeling shameful because they have never done anything good. And this is the worst feeling ever. So Hashem doesn't want us to feel this he makes us work for everything we have and so so it says here that the, 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 which lacks something namely that man has been a partner in his creation so by Hashem giving us the opportunity to work and to produce and to do he makes us part of his creation he makes us his partners in creation but that which derives from outside the realm of holy the food of which Pharaoh dreamt is not holy good and can therefore sometimes come gratuitously without effort. So we see that in Joseph's dreams, it represents a progression from lower to higher forms of perfection. First, he starts dreaming about these sheaves, um, and then it, it progresses to his dream about the sun and the moon and the stars. 
So first it's in the earthly realm and then he starts dreaming about the spiritual realm. He's ascending in his dreams. The, the first dream is lower than the second dream. So even at the physical level, sheaves are more valuable than ears. Because it starts with the ears and then it becomes the sheaves. And jewels, the earthly counter counterpart of the stars, are more precious than sheaves. So, but in Pharaoh's dream, it's the other way around. He first dreams about the fat and the healthy and the robust cows, then come the, the skinny cows, which eat them up. And the second dream, he has these fat, healthy, beautiful ears of corn, and then the, 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 the skinny ears of corn that, that look like nothing come and eat up the, the healthy ones. So we hear, we see here that in Joseph's dream is an ascension, in Pharaoh's dream is a descent. So these differences between the dreams of Joseph and Pharaoh disclose the difference between sanctity and its opposite which is unholiness, and sanctity is eternal and unchanging. In the realm of sanctity, there are changes, there are always ascents. So when we're going from holy to holy, you're going to see that your life is going to be ascending. You go from strength to strength, which in truth, not a change at all, but a more perfect realization of something which re remains the same. And even though the Jewish people suffer visitors in life, it's not that we have it easy. It's not that you see a, a very saintly person and suddenly his whole life is perfect. He has a perfect marriage. He has a perfect wife. He has perfect kids. He has money. He has a house. We don't see many people who are very righteous suffer a lot in this world. We see that life is not easy. So sometimes in the ascent, sometimes in, in, the, in, in decline. So there are no real changes. So what we see here is that when you're working towards holiness, really, when you have a descent, it's for the purpose of the ascent. It has a purpose. It's not a downfall that you're going to go down and that's where you're going to end up. Really, if you go down, it's so you can reach higher levels. So the Jew always carries with him a single mission and a single faith to fulfill the Torah and the mitzvot. So no matter what's going on in your life, this is your whole purpose. And to be elevated in sanctity. We're not trying to be elevated in the physical world. We're trying to elevate our sanctity. And since where a man's will is, there he is, is found. Where are you? Where you want to be. Where your will is. That's where you're going to be. And the descent of the Jewish people is always for the sake of a subsequent elevation and an everlasting peace. So the fluctuations in Jewish history are not ultimately changes, but peace. So all these suffering that we have been going through the ages, personally, collectively, as a people, really has one purpose and it's peace. And against this, the realm of unsanctity is subject to change, indeed to continue to a continual decline. So for whatever is not holy does not exist and, it's, and, in, and for itself. So whatever is not holy is not everlasting. It's not going to last forever. You, we, we see all these uh, tyrants of the world that have created so much pain in the world. They're gone. They're gone. They're not here. Hitler is not here. Nebuchadnezzar is not here, the Inquisition, the people that did the Inquisition, they're not here. But the jewel is still here. We're still here, strong. We're here. We're celebrating Hanukkah this week. We're still here. We're, never, we're not going anywhere. We're ascending and ascending and ascending. So it is at most a means to an end. So to test men and to evoke his highest powers of sanctity, 
the more man responds to the test becomes strong and elevated in his service the less he needs to be tested so the more we work on ourselves the more we try to be better Jews keep the Torah more do more mitzvot when we're working on that it's the effort what Hashem really desires what he really loves is that he, he, he sees that you really care about him this is his need it's, we don't need him he needs us really I, I heard Rabbi Manis Friedman saying like the, the, there, this guy uh, he went and he sued his parents because he, he, he was born he didn't ask them to, to, to bring him to this world and now he had to study and learn and pay, and pay bills and he never asked for this, for that. So, so the same way with Hashem. Did we ask to be born? Did we ask to be put in this world? Did we ask to be having to keep the Torah and the mitzvot? No, we're here. This is the, 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 he put us here. Why? Because he needs us. He really needs us. He needs us to make a place for him in this world, to make a dwelling place for him. So, so what it tells us is that the test that we have in this world really is Hashem telling us, I need you, I need you, please, please see that I need you, do, do for me. So, and automatically the existence of unsanctity becomes weaker and more tenuous. So when this one ascends, the other falls. And as the realm of the holy is strengthened, the realm of the pure secular declines. So the more light in the world, the more we bring light to the world, the more we fulfill Hashem's bucket list, the more we're ascending, the less unholiness there is in the world. So this is also the basic distinction between the Hanukkah lights and the sacrifices of the festival of Sukkot. So on Sukkot, there were 70 bullocks that were sacrificed in the course of the seven days of the festival, and each uh, one represented the 70 nations of the world. So they started with, uh, with every day, they started with, with a certain amount, the next day was less and less and less and less. So from 13 on the first day to seven on the seventh day. So representing a continual decrease or, or decline, but the lights of Hanukkah are different. In Hanukkah, we we're showing sanctity, and each day sees an increase in the number of lights kindled. So the first night we light one, the second night we light two, the third we light three. It's not like we're lighting less, we're lighting one more, one more, one more, till if you sum them up, it's 36 lights in total that are we that we light. And so we see from here that holiness is always ascending and every time it's more and more and more and more. So from all these we learn a specific lesson that when a person believes that he can receive benefits or blessings without effort, merely as a result of certain natural causes, if you think that, yeah, good luck, this happened to me because I, Hashem is good to me, I had good luck, he can be sure that this belief derives from his animal soul. It comes from a not holy place and the unspiritual side of his nature, for at this level there can indeed be benefit without effort. So it does happen that we have benefit without effort. Just to be breathing is a benefit with no effort. That you wake up every morning is a benefit without effort. But he must equally be aware that the things of this realm are continuously in a state of decline. This world is that stair, the, the electrical stair that goes down. 
That's what is this world. And so he will in the end be left with nothing. So if you're not in a constant um, spur of, of action, of doing, of bringing light and, and doing mitzvot and learning and growing, then eventually you're gonna end up very low. We, we need to be moving. I see it, it it's, it's, it's reflected in everything in the world. Like if you wake up with a pain in your back, the best thing you can do is, is move a little bit. If you stay still, it's gonna be more painful. But if you move and you move and you move, little by little by little by little, suddenly the pain becomes much less. So were he, on the other hand, to labor in the service of God, he would be assured of the promise. You have toiled and you have found. He will find from heaven more than he has labored for. Hashem gives us much more than what we work for. But, and always as he progresses, he will be ascending in holiness. So I want to wish you a blessed week, a supercharged week with a lot of light. May the light of Hanukkah shine within you so you can shine it forth and that you glow like those candles. This is the whole purpose. We are the light in this world. We are those candles that you're lighting every night. We should always have this in consideration. Life is not random. There is a purpose for us being here. And the more we get in tune with it, the more we really put ourselves into the purpose, then the more, the brighter our life is gonna be. So remember, live a little higher. Thank you.